Would you please pray with me? Heavenly Father, once again, we just rejoice what you're doing in each and every one of our lives, and especially among our graduates. We thank you for each and every one of them, and we pray your blessing upon them and their families. And Lord, us, as we look at the compelling message of your amazing grace this day. Take our minds and think through them now. Take my lips and speak through them. Take our wills and truly bend them to your own. And take our hearts and set them on fire with love for you and for your son, Jesus Christ. For it's in his name we pray. Amen. Please be seated. Well, as I mentioned at the welcome, we're in a three-week series entitled Compelled based on the NIV reading that Jerry just read for us. You notice in verse 5, Paul writes that Christ's love compels us. The ESV said Christ's love controls us. And I didn't feel that, the, when you're looking at the Greek word there, that control was the, the right, far from me to argue with scholars, I'm just a pastor guy, but the reality is I think grammatically that compel is a better usage of the word. Because you read all that Jerry just wrote for us, read for us that we're to be ambassadors from Christ, it comes from the fact that we're compelled to do so. It's a will, it's an act of the will, not an act of a marionette, controlling. And so we're going to take this three-week series this week focusing on compelled, what is compelling, all right? Two, next week it will be on how do we do that, and the third week is looking at the treasure that is the compelling good news. And so what's compelling about this? It's a series to help us not be undercover Christians. You know, you're at work with somebody for a whole year and you find out a year later that they too are Christians. Well, that's awesome. Well, it is on one hand, but on the other hand, it's not awesome that it took a whole year for you and, and that person to discover that they're Christians, right? Right? Okay, so this is, this is, this is what we're talking about, that, that we are compelled in deed and word to take the message out into the west shore of Cleveland. And so, you know, if, if you love something, if you're passionate about something, you talk about it. And it's not weird at all. For example, Pepper's Texas Barbecue. In 1978-79, me and my best friend, and one day you're going to meet my best friend. Rick is going to come here. We called him Ricky Calvert. He ran a 4-5-40, and we shared everything except that. He was fast. All right. And the reality is we loved a lot of things together. You couldn't separate us unless we were dating a girl. All right. And Ricky and I discovered beef brisket. I'm talking real, genuine Texas beef brisket. You know, I never taste anything like it in my life. And so we saw this restaurant in the city of Fairfax across from old Fairfax High School, and we said, let's go. So me and him, you know, got in the, in the Mercury 71 Capri and drove up to Peppers, and you walked in, and it was packed. And through the loudspeakers was playing Mickey Gilly and Johnny Cash and Merle Haggard. 
and Johnny Lee, and we were like, this is amazing. We're home. <laughs> and, 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 and through the window was a dude in a cowboy hat, you know, cooking up, and that was Pepper, and his wife, June, was the hostess. And she spoke to us like she was my grandmother, you know, can I get you a seat, sugar? You know, yes, you may, ma'am, you know. And we went and we had a seat in a booth, and in that booth was a little jukebox. You could put your money in that jukebox, and it would direct the big jukebox, and the only songs that could be played on that jukebox were from the country. And it was just like heaven met earth for me. And I loved it, and I ordered a Pepper's Texas barbecue sandwich with steak fries and a jalapeno. That, that, that it was genuine beef brisket with, with this, this sauce, which was Pepper's secret sauce that, you know, never to be compared with anything I've ever eaten since. And it had vinegar-based coleslaw on the sandwich, and it was to die for, you know. And I, the steak fries were fresh, you know, cut that morning. And I never had a jalapeno, so I said, this was so good, I'm going to have one of these. And we just started to crack up and go, you got to be kidding me, you know. So we're drinking iced tea, you know, because it wasn't a drinking age at that point. It turned 18. But when I turned 18, where did I go first? Pepper Texas Barbecue. Where did I date, take Kim Cordova on our first date? Pepper's Texas Barbecue. All right. Because you just, if you're excited about something, you want to share it with people you care about. So we went back to the football team. You guys got to try this. I'm not going in that redneck place, Gene. You know, what do you mean? You know, there were misunderstandings. Some people went. Some people didn't. But my point in sharing this with you is that when you love something and are passionate about it, you talk about it. You know, you know who doesn't love someone talking about something that they're passionate about, right, when you think about it. And so I would suggest to you that it's no different when we talk about Jesus. And if you don't have any desire whatsoever to talk to others about Jesus, I want to encourage you to go into your room, shut the door, and examine yourself. What do you believe and why do you really believe it? Because if you don't have a desire to share this, on what basis do you call yourself a Christian? Honestly. Paul would say, don't take communion because you'd be taken unworthily. So examine yourselves. But the reality is you naturally talk about Something that fascinates you, something that inspires you, something that challenges you. And whatever Jesus is, and he certainly are those things, he is fascinating, challenging, inspiring, and loving. Therefore, we'll be driven by his love to think about it, to share it with others, to clarify misunderstandings. And are there misunderstandings about Jesus today? My word. <laughs> All right? So, I can tell you what you don't do. 
you don't take how we've learned to share Jesus over the last 20 years and just go tell somebody about him. Because that doesn't work. I can tell you what you do do is just naturally love people, meet with them, care for them. And over the course of time, the natural way to talk about Jesus is to simply ask their opinion about who Jesus is. They will tell you. They will tell you what they think. Because who doesn't like to talk about what they think, right? Everybody does. And so therefore, what happens, seven out of ten times. Now, this is a little bit of an overlap from Easter. But you see where I'm going with this for those who are with Easter. And to be honest with you, half the congregation wasn't here at Easter, you know. And so we know that just looking at online attendance and in-person attendance. People weren't here. Okay. So this is, this is relevant for our day-to-day as we go into the Compelled series. Here's what seven out of ten times people will say they believe about Jesus. Or they think this is what you believe. All right? So here's the earth, that tragic and beautiful place. All right? And here is me and you and everybody else on the face of the planet. And we go along living our lives, trying to be good, not bad, above the line of life, not below the line of life, living our lives all along the way, hoping that we're more good than we are bad, or that we hold the right theological beliefs. Like I said, this is what they think you believe. right? And then you come to a place where you're here no more, And you go to one of two places. You go to a place of disembodied bliss known as heaven, where you each get a cloud, a harp, and every time a a bell rings, an angel gets their wings. All right? Or you go to the subterranean torture chamber called hell because In the words of Elmer Fudd, you were a very, very, very bad boy, all right? That's what they believe. Seven out of ten times. The other three people are atheist agnostic, and we'll talk about them next week. All right? We'll talk about them. But this is just talking about the people who believe this, because most people believe this. Or they think, do you believe that? Or you might be thinking right now, that that is what I believe. And I want to let you know I love you, and I care about you. This has nothing to do with the revelation of God at all in the Bible. You're not going to see it. So what does the Scripture show us and reveal to us? Well, let's talk about that. Genesis 1.1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. All right? There was a kingdom, and everything in the Bible is speaking in kingdom language. All right? Americans struggle with that word, kingdom. Why? We don't like kings. Right? We fought a war against the king, and so we like to do things our way. Burger King was on to something 40 years ago. All right? All right? And so God created the heaven and the earth, and at the highest point of his creation... He created humanity in the Hebrew word 
humanity is Adam, Adam, and he created life. I gave her some hair. Sorry for my handwriting, people, you know. I failed, all right. And he placed them in the united heaven and earth known as Eden, all right, in the full presence of God. And that tree represented the knowledge of good and evil, meaning they had a choice. They could live their way or God's way. Letting God define good and evil for them under his presence and his reign and rule, or they could live under their reign and rule autonomously. And they chose to do it their way. Notice, the Bible says in Genesis 1, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. It takes the rest of chapters 1 and 2 to talk about creation. Never once is hell mentioned. Not once. We'll get that in a second. But when they chose to go their own way, a separation of the kingdoms occurred. Heaven and earth are separated, and in came sin, which means missing the mark, and hell. This is the world we live in. That's the world. That's the heaven. All right? Kingdom. That's what is described here. And we know this to be true, right? Right? We each and every one of us want to run our lives the way we want to run it. Naturally. But God did something about that. Let's look at that for a second. Where did I put my Bible? Here we go. If you have a Bible, turn with me to the, the first chapter of Mark. Best place to go. This is why I did Mark when I first got here in 2007. Mark chapter 1, verse 1. The beginning of the good news of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. All right, so if you want to know what the Bible's all about, Mark 1, 1. Right there. The beginning of... Of the good news of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. So if you think like this, well, now he's going to talk about hell, right? Right? Verse 2. As it is written in Isaiah the prophet, Behold, I send my messenger before your face, who will prepare a way, your way. The voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. Mark immediately in chapter verse 2 is connecting us to a story. Isaiah, which was in 600 B.C., and Isaiah was talking about a story which goes back all the way to creation, that God will one day reunite these two kingdoms. And he's going to send a messenger to prepare a way for the kingdom to be coming into our present world. Well, then you go down to verse 14 where Jesus begins his ministry. Now, after John was arrested, who was John? John the Baptist, that crazy dude wearing camel's hair and eating Navy SEALs type meals out in the middle, middle of the wilderness is what he had. You know, crickets, locusts, you know, that was him. All right. So John was arrested for being the messenger. Jesus came into Galilee proclaiming the good news of God. So here's the good news of God. Jesus says, the time is fulfilled. 
The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe the good news. This isn't good news. What's good news, according to the words out of Jesus' mouth, is that the time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is now here and continues to today, June 6, 2021. D-Day, by the way, people, right? Remember our guys and women, all right? All the way through today, the kingdom of heaven is here. Jesus is saying that because what Jesus has come to do is to do for us what we could not do for ourselves. In that, he laid down his life on the cross as the Lamb of God for us, going all the way back to the Old Testament. The kingdom of God is that when we repent, means turn from living our way to God's way and recognize his reign and rule in our lives. Therefore, we live in his kingdom, and it's here not fully yet realized. And God promises that one day, He's going to bring it back and reunite it when our Lord returns. All right? And he's going to do something about sin and hell. Hell was just something which was created out of rebellion of his created beings. The angels rebelled against God, were cast out. Now we call demons. People rebelled. And we live with the world we live in today. And God wants to do something about this. He has to do something about this. He can't tolerate this in the new heavens and the new earth, can he? It will not be tolerated. He can't. It ruins lives. Racism. Murder. Stealing. If you read Matthew's gospel, you'll see every single one of those starts with a small seed. He says, I hear it taught. You shall not commit adultery, but I say do not even lust. Jesus always ups it because he knows where it starts. It starts in the mind. Where are our thoughts? Where is the center of our being? What's our focus in life? And he knows that that ruins lives. Murder. Can't even say you hate somebody. He takes it more seriously than we do. And so at the end of the age... When God reunites this, what's he going to do with this? If you read the book of Revelation, hell is outside, excuse me, got to go back to red, all right? Hell is outside the city where people who are in the unfavorable presence of God will exist because they didn't want him in the first place. If a person rejects the good news of Jesus Christ for themselves and wants to live under their reign and rule, he will honor that. But what he will not honor is allowing his good new creation to be destroyed. And as we grow in this, we flourish. We walk in the callings to which we're called. And when a person understands that and we have this to look forward to. C.S. Lewis said, hell is a monument to human dignity. That if a person doesn't want it, God will honor it. 
And so, brothers and sisters, as we look at this and contemplate this for ourselves, and a person grows in their faith, they grow in prayer, they grow in service and ministry to them, they walk as Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 5, verse 10, he died for all, that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but the one who died for them. We become ambassadors for Christ. God making his appeal through us. And when we live this way, it gives you a meaning that suffering can't take away, but even deepen. A satisfaction that isn't based on your circumstances. It gives you a freedom that doesn't reduce relationships to transactions. It gives you an identity that isn't fragile or based on your performance or to the exclusion of others. It gives you an explanation for the beauty that's out there that makes sense that we all experience at one time. It gives us a way to deal with both guilt and the forgiveness of others without the residual bitterness. It gives us a basis for seeking justice that doesn't turn us into oppressors. And it helps me to not only face my future, but my own death with poise and peace. How we doing? Got it? All right. It's compelling, right? It's compelling. Why wouldn't we? Well, we're going we're gonna to equip you for the next couple weeks. Because it is compelling. And it's life-changing. And there's no better news out there. It's good news. It's the best. Do you believe that? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we're grateful once again for this day and for this wonderful message which you give us. That you have come for us, Lord Jesus. That you're going to make it even better in a physical eternity where we can dwell, where heaven and earth reunite once again. And I pray no matter where we are in our journeys that you would just continue to move us further up and further in in that reality. That you would melt our hearts to the amazing grace which you offer us in this message of Jesus. May we repent and trust in that work alone, not only for our salvation, but for our present life and into eternity. For in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.